LightSource is available free of charge through studiolighting.net. You can support LightSource by visiting supportlightsource.com. There you can donate through the tip jar, purchase a lighting DVD, get a discount on website hosting through squarespace.com, or you can visit our affiliate links for Adorama or amazon.com where you can shop for camera gear or photography books, and a portion of those proceeds will help support LightSource. Thanks for visiting studiolighting.net. You're listening to LightSource. And welcome to episode 91 of LightSource, the official podcast of StudioLighting.net, the website introducing photographers to portrait and studio lighting equipment and techniques. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. And I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer with iStockphoto.com. On today's episode, we have a follow-up interview, a much long overdue interview with (laughs) Mark Wallace from Snap Factory. Also shows up on StudioLighting.net. He's here to talk about a lot of his new video projects that he has going on that uh, you'll probably be hearing and seeing a lot more of him on the web. He's going to have a very full plate with doing videos for the internet audience, so it'll be interesting to see all the stuff that he comes out with. Yeah, this was an excellent chance to catch up with Mark because the guy moves so fast. It was just nice to <laughs> nice to corner him and just and hear all the excellent things that him and his team at Snap Factory are working on. So it's very cool stuff. And just to qualm any fears, like you said, we're a little late, but uh, don't worry. Podcast isn't going anywhere. We have actually a couple more uh, great interviews on the way. So hang in there with us. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's been a little hard starting after the holidays, getting back in the in the swing of things. But uh, we should be seeing some more stuff coming out here soon. Yeah, I had a lot of scheduling problems actually this time around, but no worries. Well, um, just kind of looking around some of the, the news of stuff that's going on right now. I was checking out on DP Review this week. Uh, Canon came out with a new camera. Ah, yeah, Have you seen that one at all? I was uh, looking around a little bit, but I haven't spent a whole lot of time looking at specs. How's it look? It looks really interesting for the market that they're targeting at. It, it's the rebel market. So it's it's definitely in the, uh, in the consumer slash prosumer range. It's the Rebel T2i. It's really strange because it does seem to offer a lot of the same stuff that came out in the 7D. But it, it might have some stuff that's uh, a little interesting. Like this is actually one of the first Canons, I believe, that's going to have the plus or minus five stops of exposure compensation. Pretty much all previous Canons that I'm aware of have plus or minus two for exposure compensation. So it looks like they're you know going for a wider range on that. That's cool. Is it a different sensor then? I'm not certain. I believe it's the same sensor. It's a it's an 18 megapixel CMOS. Does 1080p HD video. Um, some of the ranges. I'm not sure if it's the 1080p does the 60 frames or the 720 does the 60 frames per wow. second. But I mean that gives you some you know HD resolution, you know natural slow mo. That's pretty cool. That I, I believe you can do that in the 7D. So to see that come down into the yeah. Rebel, that's pretty cool too. That is. That's pretty exciting. Well, you always kind of love new cameras. <laughs> You do, and it's <laughs> it. It always kills me that they, you know, they bring out some of these lower end cameras. That well, when I say lower end, you know, you know just under some level. Yeah, just under thousand dollar price ranges. Right. Not exactly low end, but it's funny that you know they bring out some of these features that you make you think, well, they just released a camera that had some of the specs that weren't as cool as some of the stuff that's on this one. Right. Oh, the other big thing I saw that was really cool that I hear a lot of people talking about that are shooting video with a digital SLR is uh, an external microphone socket. Oh, that is. I did read about that. Now, that's that's a big deal. And some of the stuff we're going to touch on with Mark is in that area. Now, one of the things I'll be interested to see 
what comes out of that is if there's any sort of uh, control for your input volume, because that's one of my biggest issues with some of the little consumery type video devices that I've worked with where you you have option to run an external mic, but you don't have any way to check your levels to make sure that you're overdriving the audio or you know different things like that. So that becomes a bit of an issue when you're talking about someone that wants a little bit more creative control. But you know, at least they're going to give you an option of getting a better audio input instead of just dealing with you know, the little plastic hole in the body to get to the, the right. microphone that you have for the onboard mic. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, uh, speaking of gear and new stuff, I've been playing with the Orbis Ring Flash Arm. Now, a couple of episodes ago, we had James on the show from Orbis, and he was talking about the the arm and uh, actually was kind enough to send us one. And I was checking it out. It's It makes a big difference if any of you own Orbis ring flashes. And some of the stuff that we talked about in our first review of the Orbis was that it can be a little bit hard to hold. You have a flash that's not attached to your camera, and you're trying to hold it underneath of your lens and you know while you're taking pictures. It, 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 could, it could be a little bit of an issue now and then. So this is basically a very light aluminum arm that goes on the bottom of your camera and holds the ring flash and your flash in place. And that's a very cool accessory for the ring flash. I know that a lot of people that have talked about the Orbis have said that was one of their biggest issues with it. They've said that they really wanted to see as a way to hold that thing in place. So that way, it you know, it's really cool to see that they've answered the call. Yeah, they answered the call in a really well-built, simple piece of accessory. Cool. I've been looking a lot at books lately, and someone had mentioned in, in the Flickr group forum, Nick Onken, a light source alumni, has a book that's coming out March 16th called Photo Trekking, A Traveler's Guide to Capturing Moments All Around the World. Wow. And uh, just from looking at some of his stuff that uh, we've seen on his website and you know, seeing a couple of the spreads that they have on the on his website, which is nickonken.com slash bog slash photo trekking, it looks like it would be a pretty uh, interesting book to check out just because i love nick's work it just has a really good feel to it yeah it's supernatural and i've always been an admirer of it too this is this will be a good book yeah it definitely will um another one that i've had my eye on because i've been looking a lot at hdr photography lately and pretty much the the guy that's the expert on it trey radcliffe he publishes stuck in customs.com and he's been you know, pretty much all over the map with hdr he kind of made it popular with some of his really you know outrageous landscapes and still lives and portraits and stuff like that and over the years he's definitely refined his technique a little bit more so that way it's gotten to be a little more natural looking gets away from like the little the the supernatural look right. that you kind of look at and say oh that's hdr and and that's what makes it really cool is i'm looking at some of the images that you sent me even tonight because i've always been a little hesitant to get it you know the hdr <laughs> stuff and you and i've talked about it in the past but when it's done well like some of these images it, it really is it can have a lot of impact so it's cool to see a book that will help people find that balance. And it seems like his book is, it's a mix of, you know, showcasing his work, showing it off a bit and kind of showing some of the travels that he's been. He's a travel photographer as well. And, you know, traveling all over the world, you know, places in India, Kuala Lumpur, Beijing, China, etc. So, you know, he's showcasing these really amazing places as well as a tutorial on how to tweak your settings and what different things do within an application such as like Photomatics, which I think is his application of choice. Yep, I think you're right. I just a mention of it on his website. That's cool. Speaking of completely different, just to take a step aside of away from photography for just a second, because I wanted to mention that Firesickle, the artist who did our intros and our and our little stingers for our show, mm-hmm. uh, just released his album, and you can check it out at firesickle.com. So if you like the kind of music that we use for our intros, you might want to check out the rest of his album. 
And uh, so head on over to firecycle.com. That's F-I-R-E-S-I-C-K-L-E.com. Oh, good. Yeah. And if you pick up his music, why don't you go ahead and uh, drop a mention that you heard about him on Light Source. Tell him Ed sent you. <laughs> and Bill. <laughs> right. Well, probably one of the big news that's been out, everyone's been kind of talking about it on all the gadget blogs and things like that. It's kind of making a little bit of a buzz in the photo community, too, is the new Apple iPad that's going to be coming out pretty soon. Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on it? I think it's going to be an amazing device that changes a lot of markets. I think photographers are going to be able to really leverage it for things like, you know, portfolios and very impressive presentations. There's some things, you know, on the technical side, that are a little disappointing, like not supporting flash and little quirks like that. But, uh, right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be exciting. Same thing. A lot of people are saying too. What about you? I'm really excited about it. Yeah. You're going to buy one. I'm seriously thinking about it. (laughs) Nice. And I, I'm thinking about it from the aspect of, yeah, I'm really excited about the bookstore and especially with a lot Mm. of the photo books that have been out lately, you know, that have been PDF that we've heard about from some recent guests like David Duchemi and things like that. It's just, it's not as convenient to read that stuff on a screen or on a netbook or something like that. And I'm thinking that a device like this would be, you know, just a lot easier to do that. And I have some ideas for things that I'd like to do development wise for it as well, too. So absolutely. So that those are some things that got me pretty excited about it. And I was interested in a Kindle as well at, ah. before they came out that announcement. So it was kind of like this device that does that plus other stuff. And right. Know, it's just a it's a cool little a cool thing that's coming out. And I'll be interested to see how they work that in for photographers. I already saw that they have a, a camera connector kit for it. Oh, very cool. As one of the accessories that I, I'm not sure if it's a reader or if it is just a device that allows you to USB connector your camera to it. Right. But since they have such a small storage space on them, a lot of times our memory cards that we have are actually bigger than what the device is on the iPad. I'll be curious to see how people use it. You can't really use it as a backup device. Right. So... That'll be interesting. Yeah, definitely. If you get one, I would love to play with it and check it out. (laughs) Put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one other thing while we're talking about Apple that I'm really actually excited to announce on the show tonight is that we've built an iPhone. I guess it could be also an iPad application (laughs) for for studiolighting.net. The podcast is really front and center in, inside of the application. It was just sort of a venture, something we wanted to get to try, see what the response would be. Uh, but you can find the studiolighting.net iPhone application on iTunes. If It's called Lighting. And uh, inside of it has our news feed from the website, as well as our tutorials feed and some other things. But there's also a full complement of all the podcast episodes that you can get right inside of the application and you can stream them uh, from wherever you are. It's it's actually my favorite way of, of flipping through old podcasts and, you know, finding them easily and just listening to them on the go. It also has our Twitter feed. Two of them, actually, our studio lighting Twitter feed, as well as the Twitter feed for lighting and photography deals that we we have been doing occasionally. So if you're into finding good deals on stuff, you can use your iPhone to do that as well. Oh, and the Flickr group, of course, for, for light source. If you're taking pictures and adding them to our Flickr group, they'll show up inside of the iPhone app as well. So it's a really neat way to keep in touch with the light source and studiolighting.net community. And you have to check that out on iTunes. Cool. Yeah. Well, the other iPhone apps 
type stuff that's going on. But I don't think I want to you know, bring too much of it out. Uh, I'll just mention them real briefly because I don't want to isolate everyone in the audience that's either not an Apple fan or <laughs> right. uh, not an iPhone user. On One Software announced an update to their digital SLR iPhone remote app, uh, basically supporting more cameras. And um, I also saw something on PDN recently that there's a commercial photographer, Caesar Lima, has a studio news and portfolio application that's available. I don't know much more about it than that, but it seems like that there's a couple of these photographers that are doing big commercial photographers that are doing these, you know, app specific type things as a way to showcase their portfolio and kind of keep in touch with them. So if you're an iPhone developer and you got some programming skills and you want to, uh, you know, develop something that photographers could get behind, it might be something to uh, check out. You know, that's a, that's a good thought, Ed. And actually, in the way that we had our iPhone application developed was through an app application provider, like a service called AppMaker. And there's two or three of them now where for, you know, just under a couple hundred dollars, you can actually give the application some RSS feeds of your work and uh, maybe of your blog and so forth. And they'll build the application and get it into the iTunes store and everything like that all automatically. So uh, it's, it's something that's a viable option for photographers that are just looking for a creative edge on the competition. Cool. Well, uh, before we ramble too much, we should probably get into our interview with Mark Wallace. You know, we haven't podcasted in a while for you guys, but it, I think we're going to make it up with this one for you. edition of the light source we have with us this evening a return guest a contributor to a lot of videos that you see on studiolighting.net from snapfactory.com uh mark wallace thanks for joining us mark you bet i'm excited to be here again well we were just talking right before the show and it's been uh, it's been a while since we've actually had you on as a as a feature guest on the show um, I believe we've had you on a couple times since then, you know, talking about you know, things that have been coming up. So tell us a little bit about some of the exciting things that have been going on. I've been seeing on Twitter, you've been doing a tour, you got uh, some new stuff coming out. Uh, give us a little quick synopsis of what's been going on for you. It's been a crazy ride. So I think the last time I was on here, it was with Diane, my wife, who's a professional photographer. And it was in uh, July of 2007. And... Since then, you know, we started making some videos for YouTube, the digital photography one-on-one episodes. And, uh, you know, and you guys have stuck them on your site, and we sort of brainstormed that together. And those, you know, we didn't know how many people were going to be looking at those and responding, and it turned out there were more than a couple. <laughs> and so it's been good for us. So one of the things that happened is Pocket Wizard, we started doing some things. Right, I shot for them last year uh, quite a bit, and uh, I shot the... Um, some of their products, the new Mini and Flex that came out last year and did some beta testing for them in secret. It was fun. That was actually <laughs> 2008, the fall, and they came out in 2009. And then they asked me to make some videos for them, and I did about 14 training videos. And that all came about from uh, Pocket Wizard seeing the, the one-on-one videos on YouTube. And then um, what happened is we started, we figured out this thing called Twitter, and uh, we sort of hooked that together with Facebook and our YouTube account and started to, to get to know some people online. And so I think it was around June or so of, of last year, I was having dinner with uh, some people from the Mac Group. And the Mac Group is a company that um, is a distributor for a lot of brands that everybody knows and loves. And one of those brands is Pocket Wizard. And uh, 
I sent out a thing on Twitter that asked uh, photographers to come and hang out with me during Photo Plus Expo. I was in New York City. And um, so I was having dinner a couple of days before that, and um, some guys from the Mac group and from Pocket Wizard said, well, how about instead of just um, meeting people at a coffee shop, what if we got you a little space at the Javits Center and you could meet people there? And I said, sure, that'd be cool. Mm -hmm. So we had you know, a few people join us at the Javits Center that were uh, attending PPE. And then what I didn't know is that it was sort of a test pocket wizard. Those guys were testing me. And so they wanted to sort of see how that went and to see, you know, what the interest was. And it went pretty well. And so then we had another little chat um, that same week. And they said, what do you think about doing a tour? And I said, sure. And I said, when do you want me to start? And they said, two weeks. Oh, man. So <laughs> we went from, yeah, it was sort of crazy. So in my hotel room, basically, that night, I was in, I don't know where, somewhere in Manhattan. And I called Diane. She was in Phoenix. <laughs> and I said, what do you think about doing a tour? And she um, said, sure. I think that's the abbreviated version of that. She's laughing right now, <laughs> sitting beside me. Anyway, we had a chat and that night I just said which cities should we go to and what should we do and about two days later we had an eight city tour scheduled and um, it was about that fast from let's do it till it was on Twitter and YouTube and on the Pocket Wizard site I think it was three days um, from start to finish so we did it we went to Miami and Seattle and New York we actually did three events in New York and in New York City to Los Angeles and Nashville and Atlanta and Phoenix and Las Vegas and I think that's all the cities. I can't remember. And we sold out every city. We, the other crazy thing was we thought, well, you know, at the Javits Center, we had about 30 people. It'd be nice to have about 30 people at each event. So we'll just cut off enrollment at 100. And that way, most people won't show up and we'll at least have 30 people at each city. And what happened was everybody showed up and um, people were, oh, you know, wanting to get in that we didn't have space for them. So we started adding on new events in uh, New York and Los Angeles. And it was crazy. That is so, crazy. That's cool. It was fun. And we got to meet, you know, I think I shook hands with every single person that was there and at least chatted with them for a couple minutes. I think we had, I know we had over a thousand people total. That's excellent. Um, it was neat. and. I got, you know, it was very open and we asked people for questions and a lot of people are asking the same questions over and over. And so I think, you know, the thing that I'm hearing a lot is that everybody's teaching photographers how to be photographers and I'm all for that. You know, I think that's phenomenal. But the things that people were asking us at the events were more about the business of photography and how to do it full time for a living and how to break into the business and how to get your name out there and that kind of stuff. So other things that have happened since we chatted, a couple of companies called, and one of those uh, was Adorama, and they asked if I would be interested in making some videos for them. Specifically, they wanted some more uh, digital photography one-on-one episodes, and they were also interested in me making some uh, product review videos and some videos about you know how other photographers do things and also some videos for their website specifically. And uh, they wanted this all in a year. And so we've told everybody about the 150 videos that we're making. 
but what we haven't told everybody, you guys get an exclusive. Yes. Um, <laughs> the, the total is actually not 150 videos. The total is actually 500 videos over oh, the next 12 gosh. months. Are you serious? Um, I'm serious. So, and they're of all different kinds of things. So what we're adding to the mix is we are doing a lot of behind the scenes video. So uh, people can see everything we're doing, how we're doing it, um, how we're planning it, how we're managing our projects, how we're booking models, how we're doing casting calls, just anything that happens in the process of um, making videos or doing photo shoots. We're going to try to um, do behind the scenes videos for that. That's excellent. And so um, it's going to be awesome. And Adorama has, is making it possible for us to do all that because they've, they've funded, um, they've sponsored all this stuff. And so we looked at it and when they, they uh, actually flew to New York and chatted with them for, I think we sat in a room for about six hours after I found out they wanted me to do 500 videos <laughs> and said, there's just no way I can do 500 videos by myself. It's just not possible. So they said, well, what would it take? And we put our heads together and made a plan and said, well, we'd have to hire a staff and we'd need some help with equipment and we'd need a new studio and we'd need offices and we'd need... And they said, all right, let's do it. Nice. And we went, really? <laughs> so, um, and then we talked for another six months to figure out all the details. But, but now it's all done. All the lawyers are happy. Everything's signed. And the first videos are going to come out soon. Very, very soon. That's excellent. So I think that's the recap. Um, a lot's happened. I don't know what else has happened besides that. <laughs> I've done a few uh, speaking engagements and I've flown everywhere in the world, I think, since I talked to you. But that's it. One of the best yeah. things about, about what you're doing, Mark, is how, how open you are with using technology, Twitter, and your YouTube stream to really keep everybody up to date with what's going on, which I think is, is excellent. It's, I think I'm super excited about the behind-the-scenes videos because I know that the people that are asking how to, you know, how to do the business end of photography are going to get a tremendous amount from that kind of video. It'd be really cool. Yeah, I think so. And you know, the there was one thing I was really concerned about when we agreed to do the Pocket Wizard tour, and even more so when we agreed to work with Adorama on the videos. And that was that one of the things that we love about um, StudioLighting.net and the stuff that we've been doing, the stuff that you know guys like Chase Jarvis are doing, is that you get content that's free and it's beneficial for people that are, is you know people that are watching it it's not a commercial it's you know it's here's how to use the equipment david hobby is the champion of that right here's how you do it and buy whatever you want but here's here's what i know and so um i really really wanted to keep that pure so we didn't sell out to the man basically Excellent. and uh pocket wizard was very open to that and anybody that went to the events saw that there were no cash registers there. There were no big banners for stores. There, none of that was there. It was just hanging out and getting some instruction and trying out gear. And uh, they even had to, they couldn't even buy anything there. They had to leave and go somewhere else because I didn't want people to think, well, I'm just saying this because, you know, we're getting a commission or something like that. Right. And so talking to Adorama, we really wanted to keep that same spirit. And so, you know, we, we are obviously, they're providing some money for us to do this. Um, but they are very open to allow us, we get to choose the content. We get to choose how we present the content. We get to choose which brands. We're still going to allow people to write in and ask questions and provide feedback. 
and based on that, we're going to change which shows we do and how we present things. So it's, you know, we got to keep everything that we've been doing all along, and we got a great partner that's that's open to allowing us to do that. So that's outstanding. We're very, very happy. That's pretty cool because I know Adorama has been doing a pretty good job of uh, embracing Twitter and Facebook and things like that, and they've been doing a really good job of reaching out to people. So it's cool to see that they're doing this as well. Yeah. Without spoiling too much, what are some of the topics that you're super excited about about putting together for people? Well, one is the new series called How They Do That, and I'm really excited about that. It's So the videos, are, are they go like this. So on Mondays, every Monday for 50 weeks, we're doing a new episode of um, Digital Photography One-on-One, and we're going to break our current pattern. So the, the last 11 episodes, the only 11 episodes that we did so far, have all been on studio lighting specifically. And so going forward, we're going to stick with studio lighting, but we're going to broaden that to more general photography skills. And so we'll be talking about panning. We're going to be talking about um, photojournalism stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about strobist kind of work. We're going to talk about shooting sports. We're going to talk about shooting, um, you know, different events, things like that. Um, so I'm really excited to be able to have, you know, we've, we've sort of plotted out what we're going to be doing over the year. And I can't get too specific yet because Adam right. has asked me not to. But um, one of the things I'm really excited about is there's a new series called How They Do That. And that, I think, is on Tuesdays. And it's for 50 weeks we're going to be doing this. And what we're doing is we're going to be talking to uh, professional photographers or videographers. And so we're going to look at something somebody's done and then call them or, if possible, fly to their location and ask them how they did that. And then break it down either with them or we'll break it down, you know, in our studio or on a location and show you, you know, here's the equipment that was used. Here's the post-production that was done. Here are the plugins. Here's the software. Here's the whole workflow to create this, whatever it is. Like Mythbusters. That is going to be a blast. Exactly. And guess (laughs) what? This is the one that I'm excited about. Um, We are talking right now to Mythbusters about going and uh, filming their camera crew creating oh, a no way. episode. That's amazing. Yes way. Now, so, now is this because uh, you just ran into one a plane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ran into Adam Savage on a plane. I took pictures of his hat. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, he he's very nice. And I you know I didn't want to bother him and so I tweeted, Woohoo, I just saw Adam Savage on my plane and he tweeted back and said, Next time come and say hello and I'm like, No, uh-huh. I bothered him. <laughs> um, but our new producer her name is Kelsey Hazelwood. She is producing all these videos for us, and she just came from Wired Magazine. So she was at Wired um, previously, and at Wired Magazine, her boss is a friend of Adam Savage. Wow. And so uh, that's how we got that in. And uh, so our videographer and editor, her name's Elizabeth, her boyfriend used to shoot for Discovery as a videographer, and so he's also trying to work the back channels. And probably the Mythbusters listen to this show, so you know maybe that will help as well. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, but that yeah, that's why I'm so excited because it's it's that kind of stuff. You know, we're looking at um, Colin. You know, Jason Wallace. He's done a bunch of stuff in Africa. He's going to most likely be on the show. I haven't told him yet, but you know, <laughs> do it. Um, but we want guys like Art Wolf and you know just just some amazing names. So excellent. We'll do what we can. And if anybody has ideas, send them to us. Absolutely, we can uh, we can we can help you out there. I'm sure. Absolutely. You said two of my favorite words together, so I'm going to ask you about this. You said new studio. 
What? Uh... <laughs> oh, I thought it was Mythbusters. <laughs> no, that one too. What What kind of things are you planning for your new new space? What we did was our our current space is in a um, you know normal commercial light industrial kind of park, and so it's like an office in front and a big long huge warehouse in the back, and so that's our original studio. And in our complex, due to the recession, it's sort of empty. So we've been trying to get into the studio next door, to the space next door, and we finally uh, were able to do that. And so what we did was we knocked out a, a hole in the wall, and there's actually a video on YouTube that sort of shows me walking around. And what we're doing in there, that's what we're calling Studio B, and it's an exact replica of Studio A as far as space is concerned. But we're building permanent sets for digital photography one-on-one, so we'll have a backdrop. With, I think we're going to put a big high-def TV nice. uh, in the backdrop so we can have animations playing um, as I'm explaining things, a little desk that rotates and moves and permanent lighting so we can have sort of take it up another notch. And then it's going to be a set for the, how they do that stuff so we can do interviews and stuff in front of that set. And then the next set over is going to be for the other show that I haven't talked about, which is a show about um, product reviews. And that show is dedicated to one question, and that is, what should I buy? And so I know you guys get it all the time. We get it all the time. And so we thought, we're just going to make a show, and that's all it's going to be about is stuff to buy. You know, and of course, Adorama loves that. So it's going to be, you know, reviews of different cameras, different tripods, different lighting systems, different anything that can possibly have anything to do with photography or videography. We're going to review that stuff on that set. And then across the, on the other side of the uh, studio or the warehouse, we're going to build a permanent psych. So it'll be, you know, a white sweep. Um, and then we're going to put storage in there because we are just packed into the other studio. Um, and of course, we're going to film behind the scenes of us building all of these sets and show you sort of how to do that as well. That's excellent. Yeah, it's going to be fun. In my former life, I used to build sets in a theater. So it'll be fun to, to get back and do that again. So let's talk a little bit too about gear. You've been playing with all sorts of video gear as you journeyed through this, I'm sure. What kind of things have you found to be really useful? What kind of things are you looking forward to to getting your hands on for this big project? One of the things that we talked about a lot was the kind of cameras that we use. So we usually use a Canon X-H-A1, but the problem with an HDV camera is the workflow, the post-production workflow. And what we found is for us to be able to take, we're going to have two video cameras running almost constantly. And so for us to be able to take those tapes and log the tapes and convert it to the right, um, normally we edit in ProRes. Um, so to transcode that, it's, it's, you know, if you have 10 hours of video, you have to actually watch 10 hours of tape. Nice. Um, and if you don't, things will crash. And, and there's just no way we can crank out the videos on schedule with that workflow. Um, So what we uh, decided to do is change the type of cameras that we're using. So um, now what we're doing is we're using a new camera from Panasonic. And so we're going to the solid state cameras that they make. And we're getting them next week. I can't wait. It's the uh, AG HPX 170. Uh, The advantage of that camera, A, it's really small and light. It's got a phenomenal uh, wide-angle lens on the front, and it's a P2 camera. So they, you don't have tape. You just have cards that, that slide into that thing. Nice. And it records in DVC Pro HD, which is two, true intraframe recording. So you can actually go in and take those files straight from the card into your 
uh, computer and start editing immediately. And so it's a file transfer. It's not a tape being sucked in. Excellent. And so with that workflow, with Final Cut Pro, we can actually crank up our workflow and, and get things out on time instead of losing hours and hours of, of editing time. That's huge. So, um, yeah, that's, we looked also, there's the HPX 500, and we really wanted to get that guy because it's a two-thirds um, frame instead of the, the smaller uh, sensor, um, two-thirds sensor size, I guess I would say. Um, but it was also $12,000. So we decided not wow. to do that. <laughs> unless, unless we get more donors. But for that kind of a camera, that's just phenomenal. I mean, it's it's sort of very cam quality. Um, you know, you're approaching that for twelve grand instead right. of $100,000. That's excellent. So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. But um, we're doing that. And then the other thing that we found was the onboard camera monitors just don't cut it for critical focus. And so we've had to go and buy, you know, Marshall HD monitors for all of our video gear. And that's made a huge, huge difference. So we're stepping up quite a bit in the video realm. And so um, we're ordering equipment actually tomorrow morning. That's one of the reasons we're, we're flying to New York in about, well, less than 10 hours. I'm going to be on a plane going to New York City again. <laughs> um, and so storm. one of the things we're doing while we're there is getting all of our gear and then having it shipped back, of course, from Adorama.com. I can't wait. Well, I have a, a quick question. Since we're talking about gear and everything, one thing that you hear a lot of people talking about is the digital SLRs and their video capabilities. Now, I realize that, you know, and a lot of people may not realize the, the type of production that you guys are going to be doing in terms of video. What are some of the things that the video cameras that you're going to be working with, aside from the solid state storage and things like that, are going to give you that, that people that might be thinking about going with video production with a digital SLR would never be able to accomplish or the things that they would be lacking or wanting after trying to do bigger productions? There's a lot. The big things for us are you can't get the shallow depth of focus from the cameras we're getting that you can from like a 5D Mark II or the new 7D or, a, you know, a Nikon. Um, you know, those are going to have much shallower depth of field, which, you know, that's undisputed. The things that you can't get from, you know, an SLR with that has video, there's a few things. It doesn't have a waveform monitor. It doesn't have a vector scope. It doesn't have your four channels or six channels of audio. It doesn't have XLR inputs. It doesn't have the, the professional workflow kind of, you know, it doesn't have those types of features that a real workhorse video camera has. You know, it just doesn't have the audio capabilities. It doesn't have the, the high end. Everything's compressed on those cameras, so you don't get intra-frame recording. You have everything's, you know, uh, H.264 or some other kind of compression. And so for heavy-duty editing, that's that's uh, not really an acceptable codec for editing. And I know this is a studio lighting show, and that might be getting too geeky on you, that's but that's, right. no. that's the kind of stuff <laughs> that we're that you know you you would lose out on that. And so I you know I love that we played with the 7D on the Pocket Wizard tour. We had a 5D Mark II, and we actually shot a bunch of video, and it was really neat. But really, for us to get the same kind of quality out of those, it's just not possible because of the audio capabilities. Now, I know people are going to say, oh, but you can just capture on a separate audio device, which is true, but you have to capture on a separate audio device. Right. That's, that's your option. <laughs> and you got to sync all those hours up manually. Yeah, and yes. I, I have a D yeah. D90, and that's one of the biggest things that drives me crazy. You have to do audio separate. You, there's no other way. 
Right, and it, there's no SDI output yeah. for that. So if you're doing a live show or if you're doing like a Ustream event that we just did, you know, I don't know if it has FireWire out on those. I'm guessing it does, but you know, the output is just not the same. Well, speaking of so, lighting, you, you mentioned lighting. What are some things that you've had to learn transitioning from still photography? I mean, I know you had a video background already, but what are some of the things that maybe were unexpected or, or uh, that you've had to adjust or purchase and so forth to, to do videos about photography? It's, I don't want to cuss on the air, but um, <laughs> lighting is a, for, uh, yeah, lighting for video is difficult. It's, well, it's not difficult. I wouldn't say that. I would say lighting for video is, it's different. So you have to have usually really large light sources and they're expensive and you have to have a lot of power. And, you know, you're not lighting for a scene that doesn't move. You're lighting for things that are constantly going different places. And so that's why you have to have larger fixtures because, you know, things don't stand still like they do in still photography. So what we found was all the lights that we thought we had were not enough. So we've been constantly purchasing new uh, video lighting. And what we found was we, we started with some uh, Lowell lights. This is years yep. ago. And they're very inexpensive and they're pretty darn good. So you can get a Lowell kit for, I think, like a, an interview kit for about $600. Right. And that's three lights, something like that, with umbrellas and stands and case and everything. So we started with one of those guys. But when you have to light 60 or 70 feet of studio, it just doesn't work. So we went and bought some airy lights. So we had some, uh, these are tungsten lights. So we got the 650s, which were great, except they just don't punch, push out enough light to bounce light. So all the light's really hard. Ah. And so, you know, normally you're using like a, a 2000 watt HMI for video. So a 2K. And we just couldn't afford those. So what we ended up doing is renting Kinoflow lights. So nice. we rented, they're called 4x4 banks. And they are awesome. They're fluorescents, right? Yeah, but they're fluorescents with a ballast. And so um, there's a difference between a fluorescent light and like the, the airy fluorescence or the Kinoflow fluorescence. They're really not the same thing because fluorescent lights traditionally don't have all the colors of the rainbow in them. So usually the red channel has some kind of issues. And so the, um, and they also, they flicker. Yeah. Normal fluorescent lights flicker. And so the, the difference is if you get, a true cool light fluorescent light set up from Kino or from Aerie or from whoever, uh, they have a ballast on them. And so you can, uh, there's no flicker and the color temperature is, is consistent and the colors are, you know, you've got, you've got good color. You don't just have green. You know? <laughs> right. It's not all horrible. And so the advantage that we found in Phoenix is in the summer when we shoot, well, most of the year, it's at least 90 degrees here or, or more. Um, and in the summer, it's usually around 115 or, or hotter. So keeping the studio cool on a normal day is a challenge. We have this huge air conditioner, and it has to be silent as well. Oh, nice. Um, that's always a challenge. And so when you click on an airy light or 2K, those are really hot. Uh, and so in our studio, even with the air conditioning on, we can go from 80 degrees, which is cool, to you know 90 to 95 in the space of about a half an hour with our video lights on. So it's either have to deal with post-production, uh, eliminating the low frequency hum from the air conditioner, or having everybody sweaty the whole time. <laughs> so in, 
He said, that, these, that's just you know, right now everybody's freezing and it's like what? And but, these um, are the things you learn the hard way, right? <laughs> these, these, exactly. Yeah. And so using the Kino flows, they're cool. So they don't really generate much heat and they're really soft and you know, they look wonderful. They're just expensive. So, um, you know, we've been renting them and Loft 19 is the, the studio in North Phoenix that we love. And Floyd up there is really gracious. So he, he cuts us a deal, um, or has in the past, where he <laughs> just sort of helps us out from time to time. So it's really nice. Very cool. I would imagine it would yeah. be a challenge. So have you had to adjust your approach to lighting? It's one thing to light a subject. It's another thing to light a set of lighting of a subject. <laughs> have you, has that changed sort of how you approach all of that? I mean, how do you, you got to get light in a lot of places that you normally wouldn't, I imagine. It is a nightmare. Well, the thing is, for a digital photography one-on-one episode, we have to light for the video, but then we have to illustrate the lighting we're doing for the stills. Right. And so we run into two issues with that. If we don't have enough light in the studio, people can't see the, you know, the gear that we're setting up. But once we light it correctly, they can't see the modeling lights. And so <laughs> what we normally do is try to do a mix of, you know, here's the whole setup, and then here's with the ambient light shut off and we actually shut all the, you know, the areas of the um, kinos off to sort of show what the modeling lights are doing. The good thing is if you shoot at a fast sync speed, at, you know, at ISO 100 or, um, you know, an app, a shutter speed of 200, even all those video lights, they don't really affect the stills. But that throws people off too because, you know, a lot of beginning photographers don't know that the ambient light, even when it looks like it's it's really bright, doesn't affect your studio strokes. Right. And so, you know, we get comments of, you know, the pictures you took can't possibly be right because you have (laughs) so much light. (laughs) So, you know, then it's like, well, how do we explain that? And then the other issue that we have is because of the frame rates of our video cameras, we normally are shooting at 30 frames per second progressive. Um, And because our, our flash durations are so short, on our studio strobes, because we're using Profoto heads that have pretty short flash durations, a lot of times the flashes fire in between the shutter openings on the video camera. And so I'll take a picture, and on the tape, there's no flash. No flash, right. Cause it, right, because it's happened when the shutter is closed. And so a lot of post-production work, and I think in probably four or five of the videos, we've had to go back in post-production and put in the flashes. So oh man! It, you can actually see, yeah, and the trick for that is we we normally shoot at thirty frames a second, and then we slow things down so our shutters are open a little bit longer, and we turn the power all the way up on the strobes, and we'll shoot a couple times with the strobes in place, so we know that we have the flashes at the right place, so we can just take those frames out and stick it over the other frames. Because uh-huh. if we don't do that, people are like. The flash has never fired. They're lying to us. But they did fire. They're just, you know. Wow. Yeah, fun times. It sounds really complicated. Which is, you know, all that kind of stuff, if you try to do with the 5D Mark II, forget it. You're sunk. Right. That's the difference. What about in terms of software? Are you guys all Apple? You know, are you in PC world? About a year and a half ago, I was heavy-duty PC man, and I've always been a PC person. Um. And so I was editing editing on Final Cut Pro, and I've edited on Final Cut Pro since, I think, 1993, around there. Um, so that's been my background. But 
what happened is when we went to high definition, so we started out with standard definition cameras, we went to high definition cameras, and specifically HDV, which is a nightmare to edit when you start, first start out with, uh, with editing. And so I had a, a home-built computer, and so some of the components weren't matched correctly or something, but it crashed consistently, <laughs> and always at the worst possible time. Um, so I kept upgrading hardware and investing money. And finally, I, I had about $10,000 sunk into a, a workstation. I mean, it was a full-on you know, workstation, dual processor, PC, and I installed Windows Vista Ultimate. And once I did that, it was so unreliable that had I had hair, if I had some, I would have pulled it out. <laughs> it, it just crashed constantly. And I, you know, I know people at Microsoft and Intel, so I used to work at Intel. And I just couldn't get a satisfactory performance because, and I love PC. I've been PC for forever. And so um, a new Apple store opened up close by and I saw on Twitter, there's a bunch of people that, you know, I talked to about video editing stuff and Digital Juice. I love that site. Um, they're all Mac people. And I'm like, there has to be something to this. So I went to the Mac store and said, you know, what would it take to do this? And they're like, ah, you can edit HDV on a MacBook Pro. And I'm like, there's no way. Mm -hmm. I have a $10,000 PC, and I am having issues. And they're like, no, just bring your camera in. You can hook it up, try it out. And so I did. And uh, sure enough, I could edit on a MacBook Pro, which was, I think, 3000 bucks for the top line at that, that point. So I was astounded. So I bought a MacBook Pro, was able to do everything I could on my MacBook Pro that I was wasn't able to do on my $10,000 uh, PC. So then I sold my video card and a bunch of stuff that I bought for my PC and then upgraded uh, to a Mac Pro, you know, dual processor, um, big gun. And now we're just cranking videos out and it just doesn't crash. Um, and we made the, the cut to Final Cut Pro. Excellent. Or Final Cut Studio is what we're using now. Yeah, and the issue wasn't Mac versus PC. It was we can't afford, you know, at the quantity of videos that we're creating we just can't afford to have anything go down, even for a day. And so that's solved it for us. So, And I know a bunch of people that use PCs, and they have the same experience. I just couldn't duplicate that experience. And right. so I, I switched. I am the commercial. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and our MacBook Pro and our Mac Pro and all the monitors and everything, I think, still cost less than my $10,000 homebrew. Well, now, Mark, what are you planning to do with all of this video that you, you need to produce over the next year? How are you planning to stay inspired? Well, the crazy thing is, you know, at first I was so excited and I was in a room again in New York in a hotel room when I was talking to Adorama. I went back and I cranked out, you know, here's, here's the strategy of how I'm going to do this. And I presented it to them. And they said yes, and we all agreed. And I came home, and about three weeks after that, I thought, oh, my gosh, what have I done? I have 150 videos plus all this behind the scenes stuff to do. <laughs> plus I still have other videos on top of that that I'm doing for other companies as well. And, you know, I, I was like, I'm, I think I've overcommitted myself. So what we did was, um, and when I say we, it was uh, Diana, myself, and you guys actually have helped with this. Um, we went and looked at all the emails that have come in from people watching the videos and Going out on the road for Pocket Wizard has been wonderful because I actually got to talk to about a thousand people face to face and say, you know, what are the questions that you have? And so we've kept a record of all those questions. So about three weeks ago, 
uh, Kelsey and myself, our producer, we just got a bunch of three-by-five cards, and we started writing out all the topics that people were asking questions about. And we have more videos than we can make. We have more than 150 videos. So the question now is not, what the heck are we going to do? It's, what do we not do? Right. And so um, it's really sort of a relief to actually put it down on paper and build a plan and say, okay, now what? So what we have found is, you know, we get more questions about some things. And so the, the inspiration for me is really it's, it's talking to, to people at workshops or meetups or Twitter or online. That, that's what keeps me inspired, hearing, you know, new ideas coming in and, and staying connected. So that's the inspiration for me. Very cool. So with all these videos that you're producing, what's that going to do for uh, your photography business? Are you just going to be taking your existing photography business and, you know, when you get new clients, just say, well, you know, it has to be the part of the subject of this video as well for me to do it. Or are you going to still try to fit everything in? We're doing a little of both. So, and that was one reason that we, you know, I needed to hire a staff because the, um, you know, we have a staff specifically for the videos, the, the Adorama videos, because what, when I planned it out without a staff, I said, you know, I might be able to do this, but at the end of the year, I have been so busy creating videos for Adorama and digital photography one-on-one and doing all that stuff that all my existing clients will have gone somewhere else because I wouldn't have enough time to work for them. And so basically, I would have this wonderful year and then be out of business. Right. You know, I'd just, be, I'd just go out in a flame. And then I'm done. <laughs> so um, we, we wanted to make sure that wouldn't happen. So a couple of things that we've done is, yes, so future clients and existing clients. You know, we have agencies that we've been working with for years and will continue to work with. And those guys understand that they get, they're going to have some, some extra credit, extra bonus points, I guess, for behind-the-scenes videos. So... We're going to try, I don't know, uh, most agencies have not been too keen on this, but we're going to try to go in and be able to, to talk about the negotiations and stuff on new projects and show people how that works. For sure, when we're shooting, we want to show people how we're shooting some stuff. So last year, we, um, I shot a bunch of videos for iGo, which make rechargers and, and little um, devices for iPhones and um, all kinds of portable devices, laptops, stuff like that. Um, they're like external batteries and stuff. And they allowed us to actually shoot the process behind the scenes. We got to shoot the casting call. We got to shoot behind the scenes as we were making the videos. We, we shot the products themselves. We showed how we lit the products, the whole thing. And so we only had one glitch. I actually showed a behind the scenes shot of a product they hadn't announced yet. Oops. So I, <laughs> I was like, whoops. Besides that, uh, they really liked having have that happen. And the other thing they get is, you know, we put some of the videos for iGo on our own website, in addition to having them on their website. So, you know, they, and they're one of our good clients, and so they like that. And then some of the other clients, like uh, I did some stuff for X-Rite last year where I went and shot Greg Gorman, and that was also, we said, hey, we'd like to shoot behind the scenes of us shooting your video, and Greg Gorman was like, sure, that's great. And uh, X-Rite thought it was wonderful, and so um, I don't think we're going to have too much of a problem with that. But so that's one thing. And then the other thing is with the staff, you know, they're charged with actually doing a lot of the work. So ideally, I'll only be writing and giving them scripts. And then they'll be ordering equipment, setting up the studio, making sure that we have our guests booking travel, all the stuff that I normally do. And so, 
you know, if things go as planned, you know, on Monday, I'll walk in and I'll record, you know, one, two, three episodes and then walk out and I don't have to do any of the editing and the animating, any of that stuff. We have staff that will do that. And then I can still go ahead and, and shoot my normal clients. Excellent. That's the plan anyway. Wow. Well, we're super excited to have been able to be along with, with you for the ride here. And we're looking forward to a lot of really great content coming from you guys. Yeah, it should be fun. The the thing that we're trying to focus on, well, there's, there's a couple other things we're doing as well, um, by the way. There's even more. It comes with And knives. yet there's more. Um, <laughs> right. And yet, wait, there's more. Um, so I have an eight-week photography course. You know, I've been teaching for years and years and years. And I get constant requests to either travel to other states to do that course, which is totally impractical to fly for eight weeks, or to put it on DVD. And so now that we have some help, we're actually going to create a DVD series of that eight-week photography course. And so, you know, we wanted to do that last year. We just couldn't make it happen because of the, the time that was involved. So we will have that out. And there's a studio lighting course that I've been teaching for years, and that will also be on a DVD set. And, uh, you know, so that should be done toward the end of the year and will help us out. Um, wow. And a lot of other stuff that's going on as well. So. You know, busy, busy. I'd rather be busy than bored. That's right. There's, I don't think there's any question that you will you won't be bored at all this year. <laughs> no, that's no. great. Well, uh, we're really looking forward to the content, Mark, and and uh, we know you're going to knock it out of the park. Thanks. Well, cool. And I, I can't wait to interact with people. That's that's my most important thing. Is the more people that can uh, find value in this and can help us with questions and ideas, that's really what we want. Thanks, guys. You will thank you, Mark. Well, that's all we have for this episode of Light Source, the brightest podcast on the internet. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode and all the other Light Source episodes at the website studiolighting.net. And you can also send us an email comment at studiolighting at gmail.com when you can send us comments, questions, or just images that you'd like us to see. And if you really want to get involved with some of the other listeners to the show, you can head over to the LightSource Flickr group at www.flickr.com slash groups slash LightSource. You can post your images and get feedback on your photography as well as seeing the things that we're taking pictures of. And as always, if you missed any of these links, our quick outro here, you can find all of that and more at www.studiolighting.net. Till next time. Bye-bye. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.